I am Cheryl Witten, and this is The Aromatherapist, where we discover the superpower of plants. Have you ever been curious about aromatherapy and did a simple internet search, landed on a result and thought, that can't be right? The sad truth is most of the information out there about aromatherapy is not correct. It's my mission to change that. Join me in my new course, The Science of Aromatherapy, and learn about the science and chemistry of essential oils, drug interactions, safety considerations, contraindications, and botanical profiles of the 10 most popular essential oils. Visit livelovelemon.com forward slash science course to enroll. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. One of the top questions I receive about essential oils and pretty much anyone who is in the industry of essential oils receives is about essential oils and pets. People want to know, is it safe to diffuse or use essential oils around their pets. Lots of times I hear, I read somewhere online that essential oils are poisonous to dogs and cats. Is that true? These are really great questions and I love a person who's asking more questions. We're soulmates, you and I, because I always wanna have more information too. So I'm gonna start off with this little piece of information for you. There is a lot of total bullshit out there on this topic. I'm not even gonna sugarcoat it because that's how I roll. I mean, I have literally read some of the most ridiculous things about cats, dogs, animals, and essential oils, both on how dangerous seemingly they are. I've also read on the other side that this essential oil is basically going to bring your animal back from the grave. Listen, no and no. I mean, we just cannot be that simplistic and it's not realistic and it really creates this extreme narrative on either side that just makes everything sound completely irrational and sensational. That's really just what it is. There's a lot of extremely poorly written articles, a lot of uninformed and untrained people writing and talking about the effects of essential oils. And so unfortunately you might've read or heard about those and panicked, or you just maybe are conscientious and want to really know if it's safe for your animal. And that's great too. And so I want to clear this up today. So here's your answer. You absolutely can use authentic essential oils around your animals and even on your animals. Let me be really clear here. They must be authentic. None of these, you know, grocery store, dollar store, bath body, shop store essential oils. They must be authentic essential oils. Normal common sense use of essential oils will not harm your cat or dog. There are some considerations and we do need to talk about it. So the very first thing we have to understand is how essential oils are metabolized. This involves the cytochrome P450 system, okay? So metabolism is this process in the body where there are chemical changes. And these chemical changes break down molecules that we ingest or we we intake so that we can absorb them and then so that we can safely excrete them from our bodies. This is a key system for metabolizing drugs and xenobiotics, so any other outside things that come into our systems. There's a couple phases that go along with metabolism. The first phase is the most basic, and it involves oxidation, reduction, and hydrolysis. We're not gonna get into the details of what those mean. You just need to know about phases and some of this information. Dogs and humans can perform phase one easily, while cats have a lesser ability to do so. The second phase uses an enzyme to add a group to that molecule that's been absorbed. 
This makes it water soluble. So then we can excrete it through urine and feces. Phase three takes the product from phase two. So the group that was added on, it removes the group, it adds a different group and prepares it for excretion. These phases rely on liver enzymes and the P450 system. Humans, dogs, horses, sheep, goats, cattle can perform all three phases readily. They're pretty easily able to do these phases. Cats, however, are slower to perform these phases because they cannot perform phase one very well or as as well as dogs and humans, and they cannot perform all of the functions of phase two. And so because of this, essentially what happens is they either can't process things or their systems are just much slower. And so things kind of hang around in the body. So we either, there's a couple things that play into this. You either need to have a way less dose or you have potential for toxicity. So therefore cats rather than dogs and some of your other fur babies and livestock, for example, are at a greater risk of toxicity. Additionally, dogs, horses, livestock, poultry, for example, tend to be more exposed to plant chemicals based on the fact that they eat plants. Livestock and horses and poultry graze pastures where they are exposed to plants all day long. In those plants are essential oils. Of course, there are plants that are poisonous to animals, same as there are plants that are poisonous to humans. Often those plants, we don't use that for humans either. So we would not be using an essential oil like that for an animal. Dogs also are omnivores. Cats, however, are carnivores. They eat meat and they need high amounts of protein or meat. So they typically are generally not as exposed to plants. So they're just not as exposed to essential oils that exist in the plant. So these processes apply to the ways that we use essential oils. Topical, application, inhalation, and ingestion. But what's really important here to remember is that the amount that is absorbed is going to be highest with ingestion. And this is, this is across the board for humans as well. If you're going to ingest an essential oil, you are taking in so much more than if you're smelling it or if you're just applying it on your skin. And so the risk for toxicity is much, much, much higher for oral ingestion, for actually taking a supplement of essential oil. It's unlikely that you're actually going to administer essential oils orally to your pets. There are some people that do that, I suppose. If you are considering do that, I would suggest you pause a moment and just ask yourself, what is the purpose here? Why are you doing it? Does it make sense? Have you talked to someone about that? But also on the other hand, you know, while ingestion is much more risk and it is for everyone, let's take a look at the foods that we're giving our animals because this is a key way that essential oils are used. And even for humans, I can guarantee you that the food that you are giving your animals have essential oils in them. Essential oils are used readily in human food and animal food for microbial management and for flavoring. In fact, in livestock feed specifically, essential oils are used as what's called a phytogenic feed additive. And they're used as a natural replacement for antibiotics. They're used to improve digestibility of feed and speed of feed passage through the digestive system. And they are antioxidant. They are immunomodulatory. They are antimicrobial. So people are using them as well for animal health. So we don't really know a whole lot about 
you know, in science yet about how that works through the feed in, of animals and especially livestock and those effects yet, but it absolutely is used in feed and it's generally considered safe. And those supplements and breath treats you're giving your dogs or your cats, you know, those mint dental chews, that's peppermint oil. Some of your cat food also contains essential oils and also herbs. I've seen milk thistle, burdock root, marshmallow root, lavender, chicory root, turmeric in cat's food. Herbs are less concentrated than essential oils, of course, but those essential oils are still in that plant. But also lavender in that food is unlikely to be lavender flowers. That's going to be lavender essential oil. So for clarification, this doesn't mean you should add a drop to the food. You know, that is not the same process as cooking the oils in the animal food. But what I want to impart here to you is that rather than go to that default panic mode, recognize that your pet has already likely been exposed to and ingested some essential oils. If they've been outside, if they have run around in the yard, they've been in the forest, they've been in the flowers, they've been in the gardens, they've been around essential oils. They've already ingested them. And so we just don't need to go quite to the panic mode just yet. As a side note here, there are reports of animals being poisoned by drinking potpourri liquid. And I want to be really clear here that that is not essential oil. That is perfume chemicals. Those are not plants. That is absolutely going to poison your animal. Please keep that away from your animals. And in the same breath, there are reports of animals somehow getting access to full bottles of essential oil and being poisoned. And that also makes sense. You know, a full bottle of essential oil or, and we're going to get into dosage in a little bit here, but too much essential oil at one time is going to create havoc in a system, even in humans. It's like taking an entire bottle of medication at one time. It's not a good idea. And I encourage you not to look at your essential oils like that. Keep your bottle somewhere. Your pets are not going to get into them. So next let's talk about topical application. So just like for humans, essential oils can be applied to animals but they should be applied diluted. And the best way to do this is to have your blend pre-mixed, put a drop of two with some kind of vegetable carrier oil where it will be diluted, the essential oil will be diluted, rub your hands together and then pet the oils on your animal. So some animals do not respond well to liquids being dripped on them, so let's avoid that. And as well, the hide may be sensitive, just like skin is sensitive to essential oils, and so we wanna protect it as much as possible, and so we wanna disperse it with our hands. Also, just like humans, don't drip essential oils in their ears or their eyes or their, their mucous membranes. Be really careful around genitals and open wounds and don't put it on their paws. Sometimes you'll see some tips to do that, but animals lick their paws. And so when you think about that for a minute, you put it on their paws, they ingest it through topical application. Because you can smell it, whenever you apply an essential oil, you can always smell it. Now they've also inhaled it so that's another way that they're getting it into their system and now they're licking it so they're ingesting it in reality it's probably a small amount but we still want to be careful if they get that in their mouth and it's something unpleasant it's not going to be a good experience for them larger animals like horses and cattle can safely withstand larger amounts of essential oil simply because of their sheer size horses are huge so they can process larger amounts but dogs and cats typically are are small so too much will overwhelm the system. You know, there are breeds of dogs that are larger animals. And so those types of dogs will be able to handle more essential oil, but typically less is more. 
And so when we read reports too of poisoning online, I want to touch on this, find the actual report or the study and read the amount that was given. So I've seen some reports where it says like 85 milliliters of an essential oil was given to a cat or a dog. That is five and a half large bottles of essential oil given at one sitting. That is an insane and completely inappropriate use of essential oil. So yeah, I'm not surprised that animal had a problem. One drop does not translate to toxicity at the rate of 85 milliliters. So next, let's talk about this diffusion and this inhalation. And this is the place where the internet really goes off the rails. So there's a couple things that we got to talk about here. Diffusion puts literally parts per million of essential oil into the air. So when you're diffusing, it's typically in a machine. You have either water in there, so it's like a type of humidifier as well as the diffusion or the molecules are being pumped out into the air and these are atomized and so they're very small particles that are being put into the air so when you get down to what's actually being put into the air it's literally parts per million diffusing is far less concerning than topical application or ingestion in my professional opinion they're just really not actually getting that much that being said We do have to talk about the fact that because cats are more at risk with essential oils, they're more at risk for drugs as well. There are going to be some essential oils that cannot handle well in the diffuser or applied or ingested. We're going to come back to these when we talk about contraindications, okay? Also, there are some common sense things that we want to address as well. So make sure your animals can get away from the the diffuser. Don't lock them in a kennel and then put a diffuser in their face, you know, lock the room door, bedroom door, and then leave them in there. That's not going to be good. That being said, however, I have seen some aromatherapy trained vets using essential oils for respiratory therapy in this manner. So in some cases, it makes sense when you want them to try and breathe it in for respiratory therapy. The other thing is you need to allow them access to fresh air, right? So let them get out of the house, let them move around from room to room where they can get some access to some different type of air. So they're not only ingesting essential oils being diffused. And you know, when you start out, just try for short periods of time first, run it for five minutes, run it for 10 minutes, run it for 15 minutes, see how your pet responds. I recommend not letting their diffuser run when you are not home. So cats especially have a habit of playing with things. And so they will want to play with your diffuser. So that can cause some not so great events. So I suggest you don't do that. You want to make sure you're home if you're allowing that to run. And most importantly, carefully choose your essential oils. This is probably the most important piece of this. I touched on this earlier about not using cheap products that are from the grocery store or the dollar store. Those are fragrance oils. Those don't come from plants. And so this is critical information because the risk, especially for animals, the risk for adverse effects greatly increases when you use products like that. Those are not plants. They do not behave the way plants behave. They do not behave the way plant remedies behave. So generally speaking, this normal, gentle, common sense use of authentic essential oils on and around dogs is not going to be an issue. I am really not concerned about dogs and large animals and livestock. I do use caution with cats. It doesn't mean you can't use essential oils around cats. It means in true catitude, their systems are a little bit more sensitive. We have to be more careful with our essential oils and certain constituents. So let's talk about that. What are the things we need to be careful with concerning our cats? So number one is essential oils high in phenols. 
This is because phenols are metabolized by the P450 system. Cats are missing big pieces of that system. So they're not gonna be able to process these. These are things like thyme, oregano, clove, cinnamon, cassia, and others, as well as blends that have those oils. The next group is gonna be essential oils high in ketones. These are things like fennel, peppermint, dill, rosemary, for example. We also do see essential oils high in monoterpenes. These are oils like specifically tea tree, pine, citrus oils especially, spruce, celery seed, fir. This is because monoterpenes are converted to phenols and they need to be metabolized by that system and cats are missing that. One other one that really comes up is wintergreen essential oil. So veterinarians do give cats aspirin, but they have a much harder and longer time processing it than other animals. So they have to have a much lower dose. So what is this about wintergreen? What does that have to do with aspirin? Aspirin is ASA or acetylsalicylic acid. And wintergreen is made up of primarily methyl salicylate. So methyl salicylate and acetylsalicylic acid are both derivatives of salicylic acid. So wintergreen's compound exists naturally and aspirin's compound is manufactured. Cats have trouble metabolizing and eliminating ASA, aspirin. And because methyl salicylate belongs to this same group, this salicylates group, we want to be cautious. In theory, they're not going to be able to eliminate that as well. And so they're going to have trouble getting that out of their system, which can lead to a risk of toxicity. There isn't actually any literature that says wintergreen does that in cats. So it's theoretical, but we have to talk about it. One other thing is that anecdotal reports suggest peppermint has a catnip-like effect on cats. So if you're diffusing peppermint, you may notice your cat will want to get at that diffuser just a little bit too much. And so people choose not to use that. Again, peppermint is also high in ketones, menthone specifically, and so that can be one we want to avoid. So outside of cats... You know, we are going to avoid some essential oils as well for other animals. Wintergreen, again, because it's generally just a tough oil. Some of those other high-risk or hazardous oils that we don't typically use, like pennyroyal, wormwood, sassafras, thuja, mugwort, those are all hazardous oils. They're not really readily available. We don't use them. Don't use them on animals either. Essential oils high in aldehydes. So aldehydes can irritate the skin. And so then we have to think that they may irritate animal hides as well. Things like cinnamon, citronella, potentially geranium, and other essential oils as well. Some people also suggest avoiding tea tree and pine for dogs, but there are also studies that suggest that those oils do not actually carry any adverse reactions either. So that one's going to be a, a pet parent decision. So other contraindications, just like in humans, young and elderly animal populations are going to be most at risk. This makes sense. Newborn animals, their systems are fragile, they're underdeveloped, so they may not be able to process as well. Senior animals are older, their systems may be slowly degrading, therefore they may not be able to process very well either. And so we want to be careful with those populations. For animals with epilepsy or a history of seizures, avoid the list of contraindicated essential oils. And for animals with kidney or liver disease, 
You want to make sure you're using caution as well and make sure you have some healthy support protocols here in place. It doesn't mean you can't use essential oils. It just means that, you know, we are using liver enzymes to metabolize and we are using the liver and the kidneys to eliminate. So if we have liver or kidney disease, we want to be careful. Some essential oils can actually be beneficial here. And so it doesn't mean you can't use them. It just means just use some caution. Talk to somebody about it before you're doing too much, okay? That's a lot of information for you to process. Please remember, I have a free essential oil safety guide. And that will be, that outlines all this information. Please look it up in the show notes. You can get it for free. Download it print it off, keep it around so that you can remember or you have a quick reference about what to do, what not to use. Okay, so now that we've covered all the things that might make you freak out, know that you can completely safely use essential oils for your animals. Everything you use aromatherapy for in your life, you can use for your animals. We have used essential oils for respiratory use. You can use them for pain, joint pain, wound healing, skin or hide care, fleas, lice, anxiety, aggression, digestive health, lung health, brain health, microbial management from everything from parasites to bacterial infections. I have to say this. It doesn't necessarily mean it's an official treatment. Aromatherapy is seen as a complementary therapy but they can be very helpful in improving quality of life in, you know, everyday remedies that you prefer something more natural. So when we do talk about this, when you talk about treatment or remedy use, the same principles we talk about in human health also pertain to animal health. Essential oils are complex. Essential oils are full of hundreds of constituents that all do something different. Essential oils are synergistic and essential oils are adaptogenic. So You know, we might see that some constituents in essential oils behave in specific ways, but it doesn't mean that they always will. Each animal is different, just like humans. So what does that actually mean? It means that we can't make blanket statements that all essential oils are always bad for all animals forever and ever. Amen. There are people who can use high quality tea tree with their cats, and there are others who absolutely cannot. So anytime you read these always or never statements or these sweeping conclusions, that's a good indication it's time to find another source because it's just not that simple. Far more complex than it's made out to be. And most of the time, this is all in theory. Most of the time, practical, real use, most of these things don't happen. It's really not as the internet makes it seem. Please remember, your animals do need proper veterinarian care. So make sure you are consulting with one and consult with a qualified aromatherapist as well. And don't forget, the internet is a wild, wild place. Don't believe everything you read. All right, beautiful people. Thank you so much for listening today. If you feel so inclined, please subscribe, rate, and review this show. For show notes and more information on essential oils, please visit livelovelemon.com forward slash podcast and we love to know what you're up to and how you're using your essential oils so head over to instagram and find us at the aromatherapist podcast my name is cheryl witten and i am your aromatherapist We have to share with you this obligatory disclaimer.
Information in this podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not a replacement for medical advice or for professional aromatherapy consultation. If you need medical care, please visit your physician. Speak to your primary care provider, pharmacist, and a qualified aromatherapist before commencing any programs.